Well, once again, dear church family and beloved of the Lord, this evening we begin a, a new Bible study series on the life of Joseph, the life of Joseph. And I don't know about you, but the life of Joseph has been a great encouragement to me, a great inspiration to me over the years as a, as a Christian, and no doubt to many of us here today as well, and, and no doubt to many true believers over the years, it's been a great encouragement and inspiration. It is also an interesting fact that Moses, the inspired writer of the book of Genesis and the, the Torah and the Pentateuch, those five books of the Bible, speaks more of Joseph than any other character in the book of Genesis. Uh, more than Adam, more than Abraham and the, and the patriarchs, more than Noah. And so it's, it's interesting and it should, it should therefore not surprise us that Joseph's life has more to teach us, has so much to teach us. It speaks of God's covenant promise, even amidst near impossible odds. And for the, for the true Christian, this is of a great encouragement. We see these near impossible odds in Joseph's life, and yet nothing can God's covenant promises uh, to, uh, to Joseph and to Jacob and to, to the covenant line. It also speaks of uh, uh, much of, of the help that we see. It, 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 we cannot help really to see much of Christ in Joseph, really, as a, a foreshadowing type of Christ. Especially really in his humiliation and in his exaltation, we see how he was humbled, very much humbled, Joseph, and how he was exalted. And of course we see this so much as a foreshadow, as a, a picture and a type of Christ as it were. And of course one cannot read the life of Joseph and not consider the sovereignty of God in these matters and the providence of God in all these matters, and the much tribulation which really he went through, and which all true believers have to endure and persevere in to enter into the kingdom of God. And there is also, really in the life of Joseph, ample practical and spiritual application for parents and for children, and even for grandchildren to be admonished by, to be edified as well. Uh, not to mention, of course, for things which ought not to be imitated as well. There are many bad examples of things that we ought not to do as Christians. And so for this evening's study, I would like to really draw our attention to the first four verses of Genesis 37, which begins really with the life of Joseph. But before I do that, let me just say really a few words as an introduction, introductory to Joseph's life. Perhaps a bit of a background overview before we actually start with Joseph's life to Joseph's father, Jacob, and just to give us some context, context in terms of the background side of things. After all, the opening narrative of Genesis 37 starts, doesn't it, with Jacob. 
Let's look and take a look at that. Verse 1. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. And so God's people are always these strangers, pilgrims in this barren land. We, we saw that with, with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. They are pilgrims, as, as it were, shepherds. And, uh, and the previous chapter, really, speaks really of Esau's genealogy, doesn't it? And it's a fairly short genealogy, and it's a, it's a, it's a very barren genealogy. Which, of course, we know with Esau, he was the, the father of the Edomites. And you see how scripture only gives us that which is necessary for our edification. And so the, the covenant line, the promised line of the Saviour, that gets all of the attention pretty much. And the line which is not profitable to us gets actually very little of uh, the word and it's for a reason, isn't it? But the, the, the really the same cannot be said of the, the promised line, of the covenant line of Jacob. Jacob was a fruitful bow, was he not? Because he was part of God's promised covenant line, the covenant of grace. Psalm 135, 4 comes to mind. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for his peculiar treasure. And at this point, however, we must remember that the covenant family of Jacob had many problems within it. Many people get to this passage and they think <laughs> uh, that all is well, as it were. That Jacob's got this big family and, you know, that all is well. But that is far, really, from the truth. Um, there are many, many problems and divisions within the patriarch's family. They, to this date, have endured many, many afflictions and have gone through many heartaches and wrestlings, as it were. And so no one, when they get to the life of Joseph, should have the impression that to date all has been rose-tinted, as it were, all is rosy, because it wasn't. There were many things, many inner battles, as it were, which uh, we can benefit greatly from if, if we seek to understand. But you see that the, the devil had done much, really, to stop God's covenanted promises from happening in Jacob. Of course, we know even from our prayers that that could never, ever be accomplished because, of course, the Lord is God. He is sovereign and nothing can thwart uh, his uh, wisdom and his design and his word. Um, but the devil sought to frustrate him, did, did he not? Remember how Jacob had to leave his father's house uh, over the threat of his life uh, with Esau. Remember how he was put to hard labor uh, with his uncle Laban, that he may work for his wife Rachel, and how he was, he was, he was really mistreated by his uncle Laban. Remember how he was cheated also in this respect, was he not? Uh, in marrying Leah also. Remember also how this polygamy caused jealousy in, in, amongst his wives. 
which also led to the taking of two more wives as well, which really, which really uh, caused great envy and competition between them. He had four wives at the end, and it caused massive issues and problems. And, and if this were, were not enough, remember the trouble in which he met with when finally leaving Padamaran, where Laban was, and, uh, and of course, he, he, uh, Rachel hid, didn't, did she not, that god, the false god, in her, in her tent. And, and so, through, throughout all these tribulations, God, however, was with Jacob. God revealed himself to Jacob, communed with Jacob, reassured him, despite all these difficulties, all these trials of life. And of course, the watershed moment, really, the moment, really, that I believe in Jacob's, and some, some people may disagree with me, but I believe the, the, the watershed moment of Jacob's life, and, and in his journey, surely must have been his experience at Peniel, where he, he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, who was the Lord. And it's, it's true of every believer, really. They get to those moments in their life, and some people are not converted straight away. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes salvation can come as the, the dawning of the day. And the Lord can slowly but slowly reveal himself. But I believe the fundamental moment, the watershed moment, was really when he, he wrestled with the Lord. And then he got God's blessing put upon him. And then he had a changed name, didn't he? And actually you see his conduct from that moment onward actually changing. And how he actually handles very difficult situations and trials. His conduct, if you read very carefully, how he treated, how he spoke to Laban and he did that in such situations. But after that, his, his, it's almost radical, the, the change of his conduct. And so these things are very interesting. And so from, from that time onwards, Jacob had a new name, didn't he? Israel. Israel, which means wrestles with God, wrestles with God, and he was, in a sense, triumphant with God. I say that very respectfully, because God allowed him, when he sought the Lord, when he sought the Lord's blessing, God allowed him, God allowed him to win, as it were. And uh, it's true of every believer, those who truly seek God's blessing. They may have the blessing of their father, like Jacob did, they may have the blessing of many things, but when they truly seek God's blessing, oh then, then friends, we see this radical change in his life. And he now was not only Jacob the supplanter, as it were, the, the taking over of the covenant line of Isaac, as it were, taking on the, the baton like in a relay race, and passing on that as the supplant of the covenant promise to from Jacob to I from Isaac to Jacob, he was not only that and had received his father's blessing, he was now, according to Genesis 35, he was now a prince endowed with power and blessing from God. And we can learn much about this if we read Genesis 30, uh, 32, sorry. But time does not permit me 
in this initial study to detail all the afflictions that Jacob endured, and namely the shame in which was brought upon the family, the covenant family witness by his children Simeon and Levi in the revenging of their sister Dinah, that wicked thing that was done to Dinah. And the, but the, the way they went about it, the wicked way they went about it, and not to mention the strange gods that we see were still amongst them, which Jacob now reproves them of. Jacob says you need to get rid of these gods, these strange gods, which we see in Genesis 35. Now Jacob also then loses, remember, his beloved wife, Rachel, which he gave birth to Benjamin as well. What a heartache that must be. At birth, uh, losing your wife to this precious little uh, baby, Benjamin. And then we, we then have Reuben's incest as well, to, to, to be added on top of that. And it would seem that just trials follow after trials, and bereavement after bereavement. And they had to, to move then out of that beautiful valley because of their witness, because of Simeon and Levi. And then they had to, to, to go to Bethel. And then from Bethel, they moved to Hebron in Canaan, where Jacob's father, Isaac, was still living. And many people don't understand that as well. It was when Jacob settled back in Hebron, at today's uh, to the beginning of today's passage, Isaac was very much still living. And, and so the importance of a grandparent you know, is, is, very, is, would, would, is greatly helpful to our understanding here. And so it is really at this point we now take up the story of Joseph's life set before us. And so like I said, I'll endeavor just to give us a little bit of an overview and background and now let us look at the first few verses. Verse 2 says, These are the generations of Jacob. And then it says, Joseph, as it were, passing the baton on, a covenant promise baton on. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Notice firstly, brethren, how Holy Scripture gives us, like I said, that which is most needful unto us, namely the, the, the covenant line of God's people here, whereas we see very little of Esau's generations, very little attention is given to us. And this is a good principle for us to understand in Scripture. God gives us what we need to understand. Uh, and that which is profitable for us to understand. And we shouldn't try to kind of make up what is not there and try to speculate, as it were, too much. God has given us what is needful for our admonition and for our edification. These are the generations of, jo of Jacob. It is also important for us to understand that the generations of Jacob, uh, as, as he passes on the covenant baton, as it were, to Joseph, we're not without the godly influence, like I said, of his father, Isaac. Um, the godly minister, Mr. William M. Taylor, the Scottish pastor, in the 1880s, points out 
the chronology of this, really. He says, Jacob was 97 years old when he returned from Padanaram. And all these, these numbers which I'm quoting can be verified in Scripture. And Isaac was 157. At the same date, Joseph was a boy of six. When our story opens, he was a lad of 17. Isaac was 168 and Jacob 108. Now when Isaac died, his days were 104 school years, so that he must have lived at Hebron 12 years after Joseph was sold into slavery by his brethren. So that's very interesting, isn't it? That Isaac was still around, as it were, 12 years after his, his uh, being sold as a slave into uh, sold as a slave. And so really to cut a, a long story short, it is highly probable, highly likely that Joseph, like Timothy, which our brother mentioned in his prayer, had the godly influence of a grandparent in his neighborhood, namely Isaac. And so you can imagine uh, Benjamin, who, who was a baby, just lost his mother, and Joseph, who was a, a young lad at the time, losing their mother, and being consoled by the godly, wise Isaac, as it were. And you can imagine Isaac, uh, perhaps a comforting, especially Joseph. Benjamin was probably a bit young, but especially Joseph, comforting his heart, instilling and inspiring that young lad with the great acts of faith uh, that the Lord that gave him, and, and the great promises that the Lord gave him. And I'm speculating a little bit here, but I think it's highly probable that these, that these things happened. And so Joseph lost his mother and would have received the loving attention of a loving, uh, a loving granddad. And so wise old Isaac would have recognized Joseph really as the birthright, as one who had the birthright, which of course Reuben forfeited through his incest. And so only God knows the, the, the education, the godly education and training that Joseph received. But like I said, he thinks it was a highly inspiring one, a highly religious one. And perhaps the aged patriarch Isaac warned the fragile Joseph, Joseph's young heart with those great testimonies of all concerning him and Abraham on Mount, on Mount Moriah. And the many other, other wonderful testimonies are, are that God was with them. And it seems to me that the young lad, Joseph, was converted and saved at a very young age. It, it, it also seems evident to me that he was given a very, very strong faith in God's promises and in God's words and in Jehovah's closeness to him which would sustain him, really, in the trials that lay ahead of him. Remember, when God is about to put people through very difficult trials, we remember with Abraham and Isaac, God really gives them this faith, strengthens and equips them with this wonderful faith. And we see that with Joseph, the uncomplaining nature of Joseph, amazingly, the willingness and joy in the service he had to his father.
Father. It's amazing. It's quite frankly, it's peculiar. Because of course it's of, it's, it's, it's of the Lord. And so no doubt Jacob, after his beloved wife's death, would have found sweet solace as well in baby Benjamin, left behind. And even more in his elder son, Joseph, whom, of course, the birthright now belonged to. These are the generations, verse 2, of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Notice, beloved, Joseph was a shepherd, a shepherd lad, feeding the flock, as it were, his father's flock, with his brethren, with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah. He was not brought up with a silver spoon in his mouth, as it were. He was built, he, he was not spoiled, as we see, is the, is, is the great devastating effect in the West here. He was, he was not brought up in idleness. He was brought up to be dutiful and responsible and to do, always do his dues, his reasonable service unto the Lord. And that was the inspiration, to do so unto the Lord with joy. I wonder if, if we do, if we take on board this principle, to do everything as unto the Lord. Every service for the Lord, do it with joy to the Lord. You know, our, our, our service will be that much sweeter, will it not, if we do everything unto the Lord? We can sometimes forget about that, can't we? Um, but Joseph really was given this wonderful faith and, I believe, inspired so much by his granddad and by his dad uh, to serve the Lord with this joy, as, as it were. And so let this be a lesson to Christian parents especially. To not spoil their children. You know, to, 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 to spoil your children is to ruin your children's soul. And they will, if they are spoiled, I'm not saying never to buy your children an ice cream or <laughs> get a kick around with a football or get a cricket, we do that. You know, that, those things are fine. We, we are supposed to enjoy the good things that God's given us. But to spoil our children, you know, I think everyone knows what I mean. It's really, is to give them what they want all the time. And God does not treat, treat us like that in love, does he? Uh, if, if we give our children, or spoil our children, and give them every, every woman that they want, they'll become selfish, and they'll become indulgent, and they'll become materialistic as well. And that will lead to a laziness, and a spiritual laziness, no doubt. And of course, they'll also then become unthankful, They'll start to become without natural affection, and that's the great uh, evil we see in our days. When you see a child, their, their natural affection for their parents, and that's why we see parents, children throwing their parents into old age homes. I've, I've heard it so many times before. I know some godly aged men, and they have even Christian children, and they never, they never go and visit their, 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 their dads. That's, that's like the days that we're living in, without natural affection. And so it's very telling, isn't it, when we see a society diminishing from this, unthankful and unholy. But this was not the case, of course, with Joseph. Joseph, we are told, 
is feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. He was with the sons of Bilhah. The sons of Bilhah were, were Naphtali and were Dan. Remember, Rachel gave Bilhah and uh, gave Bilhah to Jacob to marry. And because she had no children, she could not conceive. And again, it must be a heartbreaking thing to be in that situation. But all this also teaches us the principle, never to act in haste, does it not? When we, when we go through the fiery furnace of afflictions and trials, don't act out of haste and make rash decisions. It is better to go back to first principles in the Word and wait upon, wait upon the Lord. And of course, the sons of Zilpah were Asher and Gad. Remember Leah. She gave Zilpah to Jacob to marry, not because she could not conceive, she was actually very fruitful. She, could, she conceived many of the other children, but because she, she became jealous that, uh, that Rachel would, Rachel then now had Bilhah, and Bilhah was conceiving on Rachel's behalf. She wanted the affection of Jacob. Uh, and, and so we see this ungodly, envying competition now uh, between these wives. And so no, no doubt these, char these character flaws and struggles within their parents must have influenced the children, no doubt. And for the worst. And so we must bear these things in mind when we, when we start to look at the life of Joseph. Now we are told in the second half of verse 2 that Joseph brought unto his father their evil reports, their evil reports. They were not being dutiful. They were not doing it as unto the Lord. Like I said, the principle of doing things heartily and joyfully and willingly unto the Lord is such a blessing. But Joseph brought his uh, Joseph brought unto his father their evil report, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah. They were being disobeying their father. They were being deceitful uh, to their father. Now the commentators, now some commentators have suggested that Joseph was being some type of talebearer and some type and stirring up trouble with his brethren, which I believe is far from the truth. I don't, know, I don't. I actually don't understand how they get to that. Uh, as a as a type, as as Joseph, as a foreshadow of Christ, really exposes and opposes the evil that his brethren, even as their siblings, were doing in disobeying their father. And the Lord Jesus really did the same, did, did he not? He opposed and he exposed. Uh, those who committed sin and evil, and he was hated for it, and he was persecuted for it, just like Joseph was. And so we see here more clearly the type, the foreshadow of Joseph, uh, that he is a type of Christ. And so let this be another lesson to us. We must do that which is right in 
God's eyes and not be men pleasers. You know, when we do that which is right in God's eyes, it may cost us. And in fact, it does cost us. And especially, let this be a lesson to our young people here, in particular, the real pressures that young people face with peer pressure. As you grow older, many will convince you to go this way, to the left or to the right, as it were, to convince you to be disobedient to a father or a mother, or most importantly, to the, to the Lord and His Word, and not to give in to that peer pressure. And it will cost you, as, as it were, but you will know the Lord's presence and blessing with you, like Joseph did. Now, we've, we've, we, we, we've, we are further told in verse 3 and 4 that Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colours. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him, and could not speak peaceably unto him. Now it must be said that Jacob's favouritism, which is very clear here, and his partiality, of which we've recently learned much of in James, over Joseph was not good because it administered envy and bitterness towards Joseph. And it's a great learning curve for parents, really, because naturally parents can take a while to particular characteristics, whatever it may be. Um, so it's very important to take on board this aspect, not to be partial, to show love. For all your children, not to put a difference between your children, as it were. And the wise words, really, of King Solomon are so true in this regard, aren't they? He says in Proverbs 27, 4, The wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? Who is able to stand before envy? Because when envy takes the heart... It leads to bloodshed, doesn't it? And it can first be in the heart, but then it can make its way out, as it were, like it did with uh, Joseph's brethren. They envied Joseph. They envied the attention Joseph's father gave him, the love that, Joseph, uh, that Jacob gave Joseph. And, uh, and so it's very important that we understand that. We must also consider the real danger of turning good things which God has given us, i.e. children, wife, good things. These are great blessings to us. But we can make idols of these things. I'm not saying that Jacob made an idol of them, but, but we can, if we lift these things up too much, we can, there's a real danger of us making an idol, elevating the, the gift above the giver. In saying these things, though, it must be said that many modern commentators fail to see the, 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 the biblical reason which the Word of God itself gives to Israel's loving of Joseph more than his children. That's very important. I've mentioned the, partial, the partiality, the favoritism, but what's the biblical reason given? And it's this. It's very clear. Because he was the son of his old age. Many people just completely, literally just ignore that 
and to speak on the, the partiality side of things and the favoritism, which it should be, but this is very important. Joseph, upon his mother's death, would have comforted his father in his old age when he was young. Remember, his other children had other responsibilities to do. And so he would have waited and served his aged, aged broken-hearted father with affection and love more than the rest of his sons. Duty would seem was done with joy and willingness of heart, which by today's verses could not be said of his brethren. You see how his brethren were treating his father deceitfully, as it were. And but you see the difference that Joseph was treating his father willingly, joyfully, as, as it were. And what we must also consider is that Joseph was converted at a very young age, like Isaac was. And so naturally his father's heart would have been knit, spiritually speaking, to his regenerated son, his saved son, his saved son, Saul, who, who always sought to honour, like the Saviour, his father. And so we must understand that, that as well. And, and whilst it's important not for a parent to show partiality and favouritism, we must understand that when a child is converted and, and a father sees that, there is a, really this more of a bonding, spiritual bonding as well between a father and a son, and a mother and a daughter and so on. Because they've got not only, uh, you know, many things in common, but spiritual things in common as well. And so we must bear this in mind. This is not, I'm not excusing the, the, the favoritism question, but we must bear these things in, in mind. Many people are very harsh on Jacob, really, and I, and I, and I believe it's, we should have some context to this. But in saying that, the making of Joseph of a coat of many colours would really have exacerbated his children as well. The thought of him being superior would have angered them uh, that one child is thought better than another child. It would have angered them, would have created a bitterness and resentment towards him, that he is somehow superior to, to them. And so we must, we must bear this in mind as well. Jacob proclaimed, really, his affection to Joseph by dressing him in a finer coat than all his other children. He made him a coat of many colours, which no doubt was a, a, also a symbol of greater honours to be put upon Joseph as well. So we must also remember that. And the, the coloured coat as well. I'm sure our learned brother over here will expand more upon these, uh, there's much more detail about these things. Uh, I'm just really giving you some of the things, but I'm sure our brother will expand upon that on his, his studies, in, 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 especially in Genesis and the, 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 the first few books. Um, but these were, these were symbols, really, of the great honours to be put upon Joseph, as, as we'll come to see. It, is also, it also made it possible that Joseph was, was put in charge of the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah as well. That, was, that would, would have been a, a possibility. And, and, and it also would have been a most unwise and unprudent thing 
for a parent to do, to put a, to put a younger child over elder children as well. And so there are practical lessons here. I hope we're, I know I'm going through these things as time permits, but I hope these, are, these practical and spiritual things are sinking in to us and we're taking, taking these truths on board. But in the grand scheme of things, though, even these earlier verses, it is plain to see that the life of Joseph was a foreshadow of Christ, a type of Christ, a picture of what Christ had come to do. Joseph was a shepherd, and the Lord Jesus Christ was the good shepherd that gave his life for his sheep, that sought his sheep, uh, even though they hated him. Joseph exposed, faithfully reproved evil, and was opposed to evil. And the Lord also did the same, did he not? Uh, Joseph honoured his father, and was beloved of his father, and so was Christ. Was he not? And Joseph was hated by his brethren, not only by his words, but by his actions, by the way he lived his life. And so was Christ as well. And so this now brings us to an end of today's study. And no doubt, like I said, much more can be said of these early verses here. Namely, that those that are beloved of God increasingly will, be, will, will suffer persecution will be hated as they grow in grace and in usefulness to the Lord. They'll become more uh, hated uh, by a hostile environment that they are around. It also, much can be said, of the need to show more unconditional love. Uh, parents to love, as it were. Children to love their parents uh, affectionately. Parents to, to not be partial. And so it also shows a need, like Joseph, to love unconditionally as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. And so friends, I, I trust that in this short time, I've just given us a bit of food for thought, as it were, we may think upon these things. Amen.